Hi guys, we have Coach Brady here to answer questions you guys have for him. Let's go to Josh Graham for the first one. Hey coach, thanks for doing this. One thing I've heard the last few weeks from people who have followed the team for several years and people who might have known you back at LSU was just how quickly the plays get in, how much quicker it gets into the huddle when you guys are never late in the huddle. Just give me a sense for what your process is like with play calling when it's not scripted. Um, look, I think you, uh, I think when you call a play, you have an idea of, you know, the execution ideal world with how it's going to work and, you know, you call a play on first and first and ten. You have an idea. Hey, um, best case scenario, we get to second and three. This is my thought process. Hey, it's a second down call. You know, obviously want to get the first down, but might be thinking third and six. So you kind of have an idea. So when I call a play, I'm already trying to think about what's what can potentially be next. And you get the play in, in in time. It just gives your quarterback enough time to be able to see what's out there in the defenses and stuff like that. So uh, that's kind of our thought process. Let's go to David Newton and then Jason Huber. Hey, Joe, good to see you today. Um, how do you judge football intelligence, and how do you judge Teddy Bridgewater in terms of that? Um, I think that's a, I think it's a great question. I think it goes twofold. You know, sometimes you can, you can quiz, a, you can teach somebody something and put them on the board, and they can, uh, they can, they can go through it and like it's nothing and know it all. But I think, uh, to me, a huge thing when it comes to football intelligence is just how they process things when you know in the gray. Um, it's, it's easy to uh, just know exactly where to go with the football versus this coverage, go, where to go with where to make this check. But when, you know, when you close your eyes and you open it and you get so many different things and they know exactly where to go with it, um, I think that that's how you judge football intelligence. So it's tough. Um, I think it's something in the draft process that guys spend a lot of time on and guys are right and wrong. It, it's, it's hard to really go through it because to me, it's not necessarily about how smart they are. It's about how much they can process. And I think Teddy, is, uh, Teddy does an, an elite job at that. Is there one play that you would uh, pinpoint that was just kind of be an example of just how that works with him or how that displays that? Yeah, I think uh, every third down call, um, you know, just if you just see him just, you know, when he's up there, he's, you know, see full confidence in terms of him, you know, understanding, hey, when he, when he might be hot, understanding where, where the protection might be coming with him, where his answers are. And, you know, so you out there sometimes, you know, from a, you know, from a different perspective, you might think like, hey, we didn't protect it right, where he and his mind knew exactly why he did what he did and, you know, he threw the ball where he threw it for that reason. So, uh, you know, absolutely. Hey, Joe, uh, I'm wondering, have, through the first five weeks with this offense, have things clicked maybe a little bit faster than, than you would have thought? And, and even if not, why do you think things are, are you know, working so well so far? Oh, we have, we have a lot that we have to improve on. It's still not to the to the level that we, you know, where we expect to be. And so uh, we knew that this, any any time in a new season, the beginning of a season, whether you've been together for 10 years or whether you're just now getting together, that you're going to have to learn, you know, learn your football players, learn your team, and learn just the dynamic. And so every week, you know, we have an opportunity, uh, you know, just uh, working with your guys, time on task with routes, whether it is, you know, progressions and reads and protections and, you know, now we're getting more comfortable with each other in terms of getting a feel for that. And you can see that on the football field. And so, you know, there's a lot that we're leaving out there that we have to continue to improve on. But I think the guys, the comfort level within the system and within, with each other, I think is uh, continuing to improve. Let's go to Miles Simmons and then Phil Orban. Hey, Joe. Uh, when you have somebody like Curtis Samuel who's been making plays as he has from different spots, just how, how fun is that to scheme for? And how much do you want to be able to get the ball in his hands in different ways? Yeah, I think uh, Curtis has been huge, you know, for any type of success we've had. A lot of it has to do with Curtis Samuel. And I think so much of it, 
what Curtis does doesn't necessarily show up in the stat book. And I think that, uh, you know, that shows the type of player he is. You see him, you know, you see explosive runs from Mike Davis and you see Curtis, you know, making huge blocks. You watch DJ Moore this past week, you know, catch a touchdown and Curtis is downfield blocking. You see third down, he's making plays, run game and pass game. So, you know, he's such a, you know, a dynamic, you know, weapon that is willing to just do anything to, you know, to win and help the team. And so, yeah, you want to get the ball to him as much as possible. And, you know, in, in the situations that you can, you know that he's going to make a play. But then when you watch when the ball's not in his hands, you watch what he does. And it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, he's an incredible teammate, incredible football player. And, you know, it's, it, it pumps me up watching him play football. Joe, you said something a couple of weeks ago um, in terms of your game planning that you don't think too far ahead. And I think that was in a very specific situation where you were talking about Christian coming back. But, but just in general, how, how much do you – focus entirely on next week's opponent and, and are there times when you're identifying things that maybe won't work against Chicago but might work down the line how do you kind of balance that you know I think uh, I think you know when you talk with coach Roll, you know we're so process oriented that that one thing we will never think about is the last vict- the last you know game I and mean, we'll never think about what's next and so um, you know right now it's it's fully you know, it's all Chicago it's not hey we like this play and it could potentially work against whoever we play next it's say, is this something that we feel like we'll have success against Chicago? And everything we're doing is just try to go one and zero against Chicago. And if I could just, is that the way you've always been, or or do you kind of think of concepts? And is that maybe something you do in the off season? Kind of think of bigger picture concepts, maybe. Yeah, I think in the off season you can look at things and and, and see, hey, this is a concept that you know you see teams having success against certain coverages, and you might want to incorporate it within your system. Um, and then see how it can fit some of your players. But uh, from a week-to-week standpoint, it's, it's uh, strictly on how we can potentially attack and have success against our upcoming opponent. All right, let's go to Jonathan Alexander and then Joe Person. Hey, Joe. Um, hope all is well. Um, you, you may have already answered this a little bit, but, you know, I'm wondering, have you – I have a two questions, actually. Have you gotten to the point where um, you look at how you may utilize – Mike and Christian, when Christian does come back, I know that could be two, three weeks out or whatever. But I'm wondering, have you at all looked at that yet? No, I, I haven't. Kind of just going back to the kind of last thought is, you know, we we knew with going into this season that there was going to be so many obstacles, you know, with injuries, with you know, things going on in the world that we were just going to have to prepare and, and know who's going to be on your roster and who's going to be up that week. And we're going to have to find a way to find out what they do best and make it work. And so, um, you know, each week you go into and, you know, Christian's not available. Um, those thoughts aren't even on my mind. Yeah, I figured that was probably it. And also, it'll be a great. It'll be a great. It'll be a great thing to happen whenever that that case does uh, when it does occur. But yeah, currently, uh, not not yet. I'm sure it will. Um, the other thing I had um, was, you know, when you were evaluating film, watching my watching him in camp, you know, did you foresee him if there was an opportunity that came about? Did you foresee him having the success he's having, or did he, or did this even surprise you a little bit? No, not, nothing that Mike Davis is doing is surprising. I don't think anybody on this football team in this organization, um, that's what you saw in training camp. Uh, that's the mindset that you saw, the way that, every, you know, the way he's running this football and everybody sees a guy that's, look, you know, plays like he's mad, plays like he's angry. Well, that's what we saw in training camp. And, uh, you know, that was the approach he took in the offseason and, and through virtual offseason. Um, so nothing that Mike Davis does surprises anybody on this football team. And it was the expectation of him and, you know, he's continuing to improve, and he knows he has, he has ways to improve, and every week he's finding ways to get better. 
Hey, Joe, I understand where your focus is with the Bears this week, but because we get you a little late in the week, I was hoping you could indulge uh, me a quick Saints question. Just uh, was hoping you could explain again sort of how and why um, you, you took that Saints job and then what you got from uh, out of that two-year experience. Uh, I, was, I was fortunate there was an opportunity that uh, – you know, an offensive assistant job opened up with uh, in New Orleans, and I was afforded an opportunity to interview for there. And and I was fortunate; everything kind of worked out. You know, there were some connections to, you know, some of my college, one of my college coaches is a coach down there, and so I was just fortunate to just get the foot in the door. And um, you know, I was extremely fortunate for the opportunity. I had a great, great two years there. Learned a lot of football, and um, it's got me to the point I am right now. Anything specifically from a, you know, just kind of an operational standpoint or a schematic standpoint that, you know, you feel like you really kind of improved on there? I mean, anytime you're, you're you know, your, your first NFL opportunity and you're sitting there learning football from some of the best minds in the game and around some of the, you know, one of the best quarterbacks the game has ever seen, I think you just sit there and you just take notes and you just, uh, you know, you just learn, you get a doctorate in, in you know, in football. And so uh, I was just fortunate from that opportunity. Let's go to Josh Klein and then Elena Getzenberg. Hey, Joe. Uh, thanks for taking the time. Um, uh, I know a lot of focus on the Bears game, but last week in Atlanta, or it seemed like uh, Teddy had a lot of kind of um, ability and the, the freedom to check to run plays when the safeties were deep. Is that something that's constantly that you give him kind of carte blanche to do on every uh, on every snap, and, and how good is he at, at kind of IDing that defense specifically from switching out of a pass to a run or vice versa? Yeah, I, we have, you know, I, I believe in a quarterback having full ownership. Um, and, uh, and I think a lot of that comes with, you know, the reps and the preparation and the confidence through camp and showing that the ability to do it. And, you know, that's the type of quarterback Teddy Bridgewater is. He knows, you know, he, he can see, he can identify the looks and let's try to get us into the best play. And so whether it's a run to a run, a pass to a pass, a run to a pass, you know, he has the ability to do that on any, on any snap. And, uh, you know, I've, I believe in, in ownership from that role and the accountability. And I think a quarterback that, you know, uh, looks forward to that and having that approach and knows that, Hey, I'm not sitting there and Hey, it's a bad, you know, bad play because there's going to be a good amount of them. And uh, he's not sitting there like, Oh, I got to just hand this ball off into a bad box. And it's like, Hey, you know, we have answers and, Let's let's get to let's get to a different play, and uh, I think Teddy does an incredible job at that. Just to follow up on that, is there a specific number of plays that he kind of has <clears> in his pocket, at he, or is it just kind of the the whole? I mean, not the whole playbook, but how many plays can he check to? Uh, I think it's I think it's a week to week thing, and um, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the type of defenses that we're facing, and maybe the the potential scheme that uh, the original call was in, and a lot of that is predetermined you know, throughout the game week in the, in the game planning process and just, you know, trying to put him in a, a comfortable position in terms of identifying things and trying to get our playmakers in space. And uh, I think Teddy's doing a great job at that. Hey, Joe, this is kind of going off Josh's question kind of, but, you know, earlier in the season or before the season started, we heard from Matt, we heard from you that this is going to be as much Teddy's offense as it is yours in a sense. And I was curious, you know, what's, a, what's your process of, each week, do you kind of go over with him what plays he's most comfortable with? I know you, you like to do what plays he likes best. Like, what are those conversations like with him each week, like after games? Yeah, I this this is I mean, we said it before. This is Teddy Bridgewater's offense. It's um, it's it's surrounded. You know, everything that we've done has been around things that he feels like he has success and he has answers. And you know, on a week to week basis, we'll go through every portion of the call sheets and 
you know, he'll send me thoughts, you know, at night of he might look at something that, you know, we're, we're kind of game planning for and then um, we'll meet the night before the game. And if, if it's something that, hey, I might have a great feel for it and I think it's going to be an incredible play, but, you know, the quarterback with the ball in his hands doesn't see it the exact same way or might, might hesitate on it. Well, why should I call that football play? And so I'll take it off the call sheet and we'll rep what he feels comfortable with. And, um, and it goes from that. There's no ego from that role. Um, from, my, from my perspective, it's, uh, it's how can Teddy Bridgewater and, and the Carolina Panthers offense have success. And uh, it's all his show and we're rolling with it. All right, guys, we have time for a couple more. So let's go to David Newton and then Phil Orban. And Joe, when we're on the kind of that same line, if, if Sean Payton were to be looking at your offense right now, how much would he say has a Saints influence? Uh, it's, it's a great question. I'm, I can't really answer that question. Um, I think it's a uh, our offense is a is a uh, a combination of a bunch of the minds that we have in our room right now, and uh, that's what was that excited me about our offensive staff that Coach Roll kind of put together is you got so many guys from so many different systems, and we were able to, able to put together a system that we felt fit our players and uh, didn't just sit there and say, hey, we had a lot of success doing this at one place, a lot of success doing this at another place, and now we have an offense that doesn't have an identity, and we're still working towards that and building towards that. But uh, um, I'm not sure exactly, you know, what he would say, what he would think turning on the tape. Hey, Joe, um, Matt Paradis has been playing pretty well in the offensive line as a whole. I'm wondering um, what you've seen from him, and more specifically, if your system asks anything unique of the center. Matt Paradis is, uh, you know, a leader on our football team. Um, he is such a, uh, a tough football player, but he's such an incre- like incredibly smart football player. Um, you know, he's able to go up there and identify and understand exactly where things are coming from, identify issues. He does a great job of communication on the sidelines, talking with, you know, our O-line coach and relaying things to me. And, you know, the dialogue between him and Teddy is, uh, is incredible. And so we put a lot of ownership on everybody on our offense. Um, you know, I, I don't want anybody out there just thinking they're out there just playing, making just out there hearing a play call and just running a play. You know, I want them to understand the why and the, and the how. And, and I think Matt Paradis does an elite job at that and understanding that. And he's been playing at an extremely high level. So well, I'm sorry, what, what, do, like, what is he, what sort of things does he communicate with you directly about what the defense? Does? Well, I always, I mean, I always want to know in terms of how he's feeling from a, in the run game perspective, if there's, if there's certain types of runs that he has a better feel for and understanding. I think it's important to have dialogue with your players. Um, you know, the same standpoint that you have with the quarterbacks um, with Teddy, but having a conversation with the running backs and offense line. And so I think Matt has a, has a great feel of that. You know, he's, he's a veteran in this league and has a great understanding. And then from a protection standpoint, just talking through things, seeing how he sees things and how Teddy sees things, um, because we can see things. It's very easy as a, as a coach to hit pause on a remote be like, oh, don't you just see this guy doing here? Well, when you're out there and, you know, they're sweating your eye and everything's moving faster, you've got a guy like Matt Paradis that can identify things and Teddy that can identify things and it makes our lives um, a lot easier. All right, last question. Let's go to Stacy Dales before we wrap it up. Joe, I'm just wondering what the conversations are you like this week for you as, as it pertains to your red zone offense facing the best red zone defense in football right now? Yeah, it's it's going to be a huge you know focus point um, you know and I know that's something that we'll start meeting on tonight. But the four point plays, the red zones, third down in the red zone, that's something that's critical, especially going against you know the Bears, where they're one of the top third down defenses in the league and one of the top red zone defenses. And so you know that combination is going to be a great challenge for us, but uh, something that we definitely have to improve on uh, um, moving forward.
Hey, Phil. I uh, hope you're doing well. I'm um, wondering what you're wonder what you're seeing out of uh, Nick Foles and how this Bears offense is running and if it's running any differently uh, with him at the controls rather than. Well, you know, Nick is uh, – he's played a lot of winning football. So, yeah, I mean, you can see, uh, I, you know, he does a great job of controlling the offense and uh, what they're in. He's real smart. He sees stuff. He can RPO you and do some different things. Uh, but he just, uh, you know, good old, you know, he's been around a long time and, and really a good player, and you can see the offense. Um, you know, he's doing, doing a good job with them. Hey, Coach, it's kind of understood that a lot of what K.K. Short does inside doesn't appear on the stat sheet, but without him for the rest of the year, in what area do you think his absence hurts you most? Well, one is leadership, especially in that room, because we have a lot of young defensive linemen. So that that that's one huge deal. But you know, KK will be around, so he'll help with that. But um, you know, anytime you lose somebody who's played as much football and been an All-Pro, and they do so many different things for you. Um, like I'll give you an example, just on third down calling games. You know, you um, when you're in a four-man rush, you have pass rush games, and it's based on where the back is and where the center's going, and and, you know, you, you, you love a vet that really understands all that and gets you in the right game. So, I mean, there's a lot of things KK has done and can do for you, but that's just an example. Let's go to Josh Klein and then Jonathan Alexander. Hey, Phil. Um, I, I know that, obviously, you spent a lot of time with Bravion Roy um, uh, over the years. I was – I was hoping you could talk a little bit about his growth that you've seen since you first got in contact with him and then the growth that you've seen since he's actually gotten into the league. Well, you know, um, when we first were around Bravion, he ha he's always had ability. He's a big man. Um, and he didn't play as hard as he should have. And, in, 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 uh, you know, he really improved on that the last year and a half at uh, Baylor. And so um, – you know, as he's come in here, I think, you know, Fair and, and Frank, OCAM have done a real good job with them. Um, you, you can see him progressing. And he just needs more reps. I think the more reps he gets, the better he's going to get. So, um, yeah, he's doing a nice job. You know, he's real bright, understands the game. So, uh, he just needs more reps in competitive situations. And, uh, you know, with KK down, you know, he he's going to get some of those reps. So, I'm anxious to see how he does. Hey, Phil, hope you're doing well. Yeah. Um, I don't know where uh, Brian Burns is in, in, with his injury, but but if he does have to miss a game, you know, how does that how does that change for you all? Well, it affects, uh, you know, a great deal. We use Brian in a lot of situations, different defenses like we do use Jeremy Chin. So he does a lot for us. So without, you know, Brian, um, there's a hole in what we do. But, you know, it's next man up and, and we'll adapt. And uh, we have some other guys that are coming on. So um, we'll just utilize their talents. Let's go to Miles Simmons and then David Newton. Hey, Phil. Um, Matt Rule said that Zach Kerr is probably in line to start for Quan Short. So what have you seen uh, from him since you've been with him? And how do you feel like he will be able to play in that spot? Well, you know, Zach is another guy that's played a lot of football. He's been in the league uh, for a while. So, you know, he's, you know, he's got that savvy and he's been around and he works and, you know, he's a pro. So um, he does have some wiggle inside for a big man. So, um, 
you know what, you know, he'll get more reps and, and, and I'm anxious to see how he does. Hey, Coach, you mentioned Burns and what you got to do there and, and KK being out. So what's the challenge for you as far as trying to create pressure if you're without those two? Yeah, you know, we've got to be creative if we're without them. And we have different packages that we can do that, and we're preparing for that. But uh, so, um, you know, this league is, you know, you're going to have injuries, right? So, you, you know, it's the next man up, and, and you got to be uh, multiple enough to, to handle the injuries. And, uh, you know, we have a, uh, have a plan if we don't have Brian and, and, and we lose another uh, D lineman. So, uh, um, but I think everybody has the same problems, especially as this year go, the year goes on. You know, your numbers get thinner and thinner. Let's go to Joe Person and then Skylar Callahan. So uh, Matt was saying yesterday, you guys are sort of rethinking how you guys defend the crack tosses. Wonder if you could kind of walk walk us through that and kind of what makes that play. What what's the key to defending those? Well, the biggest issue is, and I've said this for a lot of years, and nobody was doing it, so I was happy about that. But these tight formations that uh, the offense are lining up in um, have really created a lot of problems, and and they've now uh, put the onus on the corners to make a lot of plays in the run game. Um, you know, we when the when the wide receivers lined up wider and they cracked the safeties, we could be in different defenses where the safety was closer to the ball and they couldn't crack them. So we didn't have to worry about it and we could control that. Well, with the tight formations, we can't control that anymore. And so the corners have to be involved in the run game. And if you look across the league, you'll see that the tosses and the, some of the perimeter plays are really hard to defend. And, uh, and it's based because of the formation. And, um, and you know, when you get in an eight-man front, there's one guy they can't block. Well, they, the guy they're putting the onus on is the corner on the tailback. And so it's creating a lot of problems for all of us. Hey, Phil, kind of going back to David's question a little bit in terms of pressure, uh, Chicago, I believe, is 27th in the league in yards per attempt. And with that situation, and I know you like to usually drop seven, eight guys, does that maybe change your philosophy this week and maybe trying to get more pressure because you know that they're not going to take as many shots down the field? Yeah, but you know what? Um, you know, Foles is smart now. If, if, if you're, he knows you're doing that, he'll take his shots. And he has some receivers that can get downfield. You know, Graham can still beat you downfield, and, and, and they've, they've got a good re, uh, uh, receiving crew. So I think you've got to be smart. You know, the statistics say that they don't throw the ball downfield in certain situations, but, but when he needs to, he does, and he makes big plays with them. So uh, uh, we just got to be smart. We'll mix it up. And, uh, um, you know, I think it's really important. We, we are who we are um, and, and play to those strengths. So, and that'll depend on what they're doing. Go to Elena Getzenberg and then Jason Huber. Hey, Phil. Um, I was curious, you know, to hear Whitehead's kind of up and down kind of through the first five games, I was wondering what your assessment of him has been so far and anything you feel like he's done well or needs to work on. Yeah, no, Tyre is, um, you know, he's another guy that's a vet. He's been around a long time, understands the game and, and, and um, you know, and, and keeps his – it's amazing how, you know, he keeps his body. Um, you know, he's pretty fresh, and you know, we're going in the sixth game. So – but he's doing a lot of good things, and um, you know maybe he hadn't had the opportunity to make some plays that he wanted. But he's—I I, I think he's doing fine. So uh, you know I'm looking forward to watching him play this Sunday. 
Hey, Phil, going back to, to Zach Kerr, he was one of the first, you know, defensive guys you were, you did sign in free agency this year. What did you guys see from him? Someone who hadn't, you know, hadn't really had a, you know, a very notable career, but what did you see from him to, to want to sign him? And also in those two games that he did start this year with, with uh, KK out, what, what did you see from him? Well, what we saw, you know, he has some movement and quickness inside, um, and so, you know, in the tackle position, you like, you know, a big guy and then a more movement guy. So we, we saw some good movement inside. And, and I think he's shown that, uh, you know, he's hit the quarterback three or four times for us this year. And so, um, you know, it's the same thing we saw on tape. All right, let's go to Jonathan Alexander and then Phil Orbit. Hey, Phil. Um, I understand you have a super competitive family. Um, you know, I was told that I guess if y'all are playing ping pong and your sister was losing, she'd fight everybody. Um, what's the um, what's the benefit of, of, of having a competitive family? Well, it, there's a lot of benefit. But by the way, my sister, her, her son is Dustin Pedroia. So the baseball player with the Red Sox, and he was really competitive, right? So he gets that from mama. But um, yeah, our whole family, we probably have like, 10 uh, nieces and cousins and brothers and stuff that have played college sports. So uh, when we all get together, it's, it, you know, it's pretty competitive and I'm one of the worst male athletes in the family. So I, I've quit playing. They beat the heck out of me. So, uh, but yeah, we have a lot of fun. Um, Phil, you just said being multiple enough will help mitigate some of these injury concerns. And we knew that was so important to you kind of from the first time we talked to you, but but when and how did you realize the value of position versatility on defense and, and that things are kind of more complicated than, you know, D-line, linebackers, secondary? Well, you know, I've been doing this a long time. This is my 44th year coaching. So, you know, one of the things in football, and it's unfortunate, but we've always had injuries. And how you deal with injuries uh, really dictates how you play through the season. Um, uh, you know, you can whine about them and make them a big deal. And, but we just say next man's up. And I think, you know, the NFL players understand that there's injuries. And so you've got to be multiple enough to, to withstand them. And, um, um, you know, hopefully we are. And now, now we can't continue to get injured. But, um, I, you know, I think we're in a good place right now. All right, guys, we have time for uh, one more. So let's go to Skyline for the last question. Hey, Phil. I know after the Tampa Bay loss, uh, Rasul talked about the team needing to get more chemistry and wanting to play for one another. And since that meeting happened, there, you guys are rattled off three straight wins, and it seems like everyone's playing with an extra edge and, and playing more together. Is that something that you've seen from your perspective? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think this team is growing together right now. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, you got to have some success, too, to have that happen. And so we're fortunate we've won three games in a row. But – you can really see this group coming together on both sides of the football and special teams. So, you know, it's fun to watch. I, you know, uh, when you get a little confidence um, with everybody, it doesn't matter who you are. It, the confidence grows, so does everything else. So, uh, uh, it, you know, it's been fun to watch over the last month. Mike. Thanks, Preston. Hey, Coach. Uh, for guys like Larson, uh, Lar 
or excuse me, Larson out with a no illness. Is that a, is the COVID situation being an offensive line that may have faced against the, the Falcon player that tested? Um, I, uh, you know, I, I can't comment on anything about his, his illness. Um, you know, obviously we put someone in reserve if, 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 if that time comes, but uh, for anybody. So with his specific illness, I can't really get into detail. I hope, hope you can understand that. I, I do. Um, is it, I mean, are you concerned at all with your offensive lineman uh, this week coming into this game after perhaps coming into contact with the player? Well, I'm, I'm always concerned with everybody. Um, you know, um, but, um, you know, just, just, you know, that, that, that situation, I'm concerned for everybody, you know, um, we're trying to take all of our precautions on our end. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm just kind of taking it day by day and, and just, uh, seeing our tests as they get back and just, you know, making sure we're smart here on our end. All right. Let's go to David Newton and then Jonathan Alexander. Hey Matt. Um, wanted to ask, we saw that, uh, Brian's was limited. He actually had a helmet on out there today. Is that, is he trending towards possibly a play this week? I know the concussion protocol is kind of an iffy thing, but uh, that seemed to be a positive sign this early in the week. Yeah, um, you know, he, uh, he he practiced today, um, um, non, you know, like, you know, in, in that fashion, non-contact. Um, so, the, you know, there's a specific step for each step of the protocol that the doctors do. And so he was allowed to do some things today and, um, you know, looked look, look good. We know we'd I'd certainly love to have him. Hey Matt, um, I'm wondering if you if you are without Brian, how do you make up? What do you lose, and how do you make up for that loss? Well, I mean, Brian's a great player. You know, um, tremendous pass rusher. He's getting better and better. He's really good when we go to our three down stuff, uh, dropping. You know, that being said, I mean, we we played pretty much the whole game without him last week. I thought Marquise played really well. I thought Weatherly played really well. FA gives us a lot of flexibility. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's like all of our players, you know, we, they all bring something special to the table. You know, we want all of them to be out there, but uh, this is a league that's built on, um, you know, playing with who's healthy and available. Um, so, but that being said, you know, I, I, I was you know, pleased to see him out there today. Let's go to Jason Huber. Hey, Matt, uh, I know yesterday you mentioned how kind of the guys filling in for KK would be, I mean, with Zach Kerr and then possibly bringing uh, – Woozer Hamilton up and then using flexibility with FA would those be the first would those be kind of the main guys that you would use there at, at, at defensive tackle and Bravion Roy is there anyone else that any defensive ends or anything that you would kind of try to mix and match a bit there no I think the, the guys you mentioned right I mean we have uh, obviously Derek and Bravion um, um, and uh, Zach and then um, FA's been playing some uh, three for us in nickel and sub situations and um uh, the ability to, you know, Woodrow came up, played played 12 snaps in the Tampa game and played really well. Bruce Hector also, you know, we have those guys. We had those guys here and we kind of stockpiled defense alignment for this reason, just knowing that those guys um, are good players and really important. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a combination, you know, somewhere of, of the guys that we have. And, and Zach mentioned that with a guy like KK, you can't really replace him with just one guy. It's got to be a committee. Uh, how, what, with that, you, I mean, it seems like you do agree with that, but what, what are you looking the most for these guys to kind of fill in and, and replace KK? Like, is that even possible, kind of? Yeah, I'm not looking to replace KK. Um, I'm just looking for someone to go in and play to our standard, you know, and I say that because, you know, KK is a, a great player, a great person, a great teammate. 
Um, I, 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 I just want guys to go in and be themselves. And, and, you know, one thing you'll hear from me all the time is I trust our players. I believe in our players. I believe my job as a coach is to put our players in the best position to win. And so, um, you know, we, we played, I think it was two games without KK already this year. We went out to LA without him and, and, and we're able to win the game. So I don't say that about him. I say that about our guys. I, I trust our guys. I have a lot of confidence in our guys. So, um, We'll put those guys out there. And anytime you lose a, a great player, like losing McCaffrey on the offensive side or Russell when we lost Russell or uh, losing KK earlier and then losing him now, is it's not just about the guy that goes in for him. It's about everybody. Everybody has to raise their level of play. And, um, you know, that's what I expect that we'll do. All right, let's go to Elena Getzenberg and then Joe Person. Um, Matt, I was wondering if you've, you any update on Yitor today? Just that, yeah, but he did not practice today. Um, and then I was curious, you know, now that um, you're healthy again, is that obviously good to see, but do you imagine him having a role Sunday? Who is that you said? I'm so sorry. Yeah. Who's that, Lillian? I'm sorry. Eli Apple. Eli Apple. Uh, you know, he practiced today. I, I, uh, I, had a little, I had a family, um, I had a family matter to attend to right after practice. So he was out there. Um, you know, I um, – I uh, I have not watched the tape and I haven't talked to the defensive staff, right? So it's hard for me to say too much. Um, you know, really we're talking about corner depth, you know, um, Rasul, Troy, Dante, you know, those guys are, you know, cemented as our, you know, our starters, corners are starting nickel. So really we're, you know, Eli for us is, is depth among Stanley down the line. So hopefully, hopefully uh, Eli at some point will be able to help us. Maybe it's this week. Um, but, uh, you know, our, our starters, you know, we have our starters and we feel good about them. And, um, you know, we're just trying to make sure we bring Eli along safely and healthily. If I could just follow up with one thing, is Dante's toe injury, I mean, based on what you know, is that just something he's going to have to deal with for a bit, kind of just play through? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Matt, I uh, wondered if uh, KK had his surgery scheduled yet. And then secondly, uh, when do you need to make it? Do you need to make a decision on Kirkwood this week, or do you have until next Wednesday? Um. Um. So, so KK first. KK um, has a sur uh, surgery scheduled for sometime next week. Um, so he'll have surgery, I believe, next week. And I only say so I believe because of all the, you know, there's obviously different restrictions this year with COVID and testing and all those things. But I believe it'll be next week, and. Um, uh, I'm not sure the deadline for Kirk. What I, I would anticipate us um, ele elevating him. You know, in my mind, he's going to get elevated this week, so it hasn't happened yet. So, just full transparency, you know, he's going to be um, elevated now. So, um, you know, he's, he looks like he's going to be healthy. He's getting healthy. He's getting in shape. So, I'm, I'm hopeful that it's uh, this week. I believe that it will be this week. All right, let's go to Phil Orban and then David Newton. Hey, man, I have kind of a, a bigger picture coaching philosophy question. I'm curious. I've talked to a couple of college coaches that coach different after a win than after a loss. They're a little bit tougher on the guys after a win, a little bit softer after a loss. Um, you know, maybe maybe after a win, but they didn't do one piece right. They're banging on them about that. I'm curious if that was something you believed in in college and what the difference is now coaching professionally. I don't think there's any difference between coaching professionals and college players because they're all just people. So uh, it's about maturity. It's about mindset. So you coach mature players one way. Sometimes you have to coach, you know, a little bit more immature player a different way. Um, but I believe, I believe in just telling the truth, right? The truth 
Um, the truth is there in wins and losses. Um, people sometimes let the emotion and the happiness of winning um, or the, hey, I'm afraid we're going to get too overconfident, you know, so I'm, I'm going to tell you about how much they stink. Um, and I'm probably probably guilty of that in some regard. But, um, you know, I, I just think that a good coach looks at the moment, looks at what the team needs. He tries to speak the truth to them in the right way, in a way that they'll hear and understand. Um, and then there's, you know, there's, there's, there's also um, different ways that you win and different ways that you lose. And, you know, I think Bill Parcells calls it the psychology of results, you know, and, you know, you can win and play well, but you can win and not play well. You know, you can, you can lose and play well, and you can lose and not play well. And each of those has its own dangers and pitfalls. And so I think you have to navigate those. So, um, you know, I just, I, I just would never, I don't think I would ever say like, Hey, after a win, I do this. After a loss, I do this. I just, I just try to tell guys the truth. The truth is always there. Sometimes we gloss over it when we win. Um, but it was there, it was there in wins and in the losses. And if you can have a mature team that just tries to improve every week, you have a chance. Matt, I wanted to ask you one more question about Robbie Anderson. How is his play as a more overall complete receiver um, kind of open up things for the rest of your offense and what you guys can do? Well, I mean, um, you know, Robbie's Robbie, like all of our receivers, but Robbie's running the, the the complete route tree and he's catching the ball underneath. A lot of times when guys are 170, 180 pounds, they don't really want to catch the ball across the middle and underneath and take hits, but Robbie does. Um, and to me, that allows um, that allows you know you can't just take away one thing on them. Um, I, I think as a total overall deal, I think you know uh, our three top receivers in terms of the amount of catches they have, Curtis, DJ, and Robbie, um, they're so fast and explosive. And if they can run the whole route tree and they can run crosses and outs and all, all those different things, you know, it, it discourages some teams from playing man. So. Uh, when they're having a play zone, that opens up the offense for for other guys. Um, if they're going to, you know, pack the box to take away the run, it opens up play action opportunities. But if we're hitting play actions because Robbie and the receivers are playing well, that opens up the run. And so there's this yin and yang to, you know, um, to the offense that uh, um, comes from when guys play well. And so I'm proud of the way Robbie's playing. Um, to me, I really respect receivers who catch the ball in traffic and catch the ball when they know they're about to get hit. And I think our receivers all do that. All right, let's go to Nick Carboni and then Miles Simmons. Matt, another day in this intensive period of the protocol. I know you were looking to add pads to everything today and flip-flop and things. How do you think that went? And you said yesterday the timeline is Saturday, that or through Saturday that they'd have to wear the masks and face shields on the field. Yeah, I thought the face shields were fine today. It didn't seem like a distraction. Guys, um, I mean, guys didn't seem distracted by it one bit. So, um I think our guys are handling everything well. I think we're, you know, we kept the same normal, you know, Thursday time schedule that we always keep and uh, there was no issue. So um, I think our guys are being safe. I think our staff's being safe. I think we're handling things well. Um, but uh, I didn't, I thought the, I thought the shields for them, you know, the guys, uh, they had a day to get wrapped their head around. I thought they were fine. Hey Matt, uh, what has uh, Chicago done so well to, to score so much in the fourth quarter, and how much do you have to really emphasize finishing um, this week against them? Well, I think what happens in the National Football League overall in general is, you know, when a team gets down, I mean, teams can move the ball in this league when they go tempo and they go fast. Um, they're, they're too good on offenses to, to defend, and you have to defend more plays. So when teams start going fast, when they go to sort of a rally two-minute, down a couple scores or down a score, um, defenses have a tendency to kind of back up and play a little bit more zone-ish and 
keep the ball in front of them, try to, you know, try to, to squeeze the clock out and, you know, milk the clock. And uh, people get a lot of yards and points. And then sometimes you're able to get the onside kick and go down and win. Or sometimes you're able to make one more play and go win. And that's what Chicago um, has done. Um, th- that being said, you know, I think for us, you know, we, we've had a two-score lead in each of the last games. And the other team has sped up the tempo and they've gone down and scored against us. But we've been able to, you know, I guess get two onside kicks and um, versus the Chargers, you know, make one more play than, than, than you know, that we needed. So um, it's hard. It's, it's, it's harrowing in the fourth quarter. You know, when teams are down, they're playing free, they're playing loose. They don't have anything to lose. And, and the defense has a lot to lose. So sometimes they can play a little bit more, I don't want to say conservative, but you know, they can, they can try to play against the clock. And so uh, I think Chicago has a great quarterback in Nick Foles. They have a guy, he's a, just a proven winner. And to me, when, um, and a guy that I know, not personally, but I know well just from being in Philly, um, you know, when, when, when things start going down, I mean, he's cool, calm, and collected. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. He just stays right in the middle. And I think all good things start with quarterbacks who do that. And then, you know, you throw in, you know, in a, uh, you throw in Allen Robinson and, and Miller and those guys, and they have receivers who can make plays. So it's a long, long, long answer. But I think that's the one thing that you're seeing week in and week out in the NFL. Teams are down, they get to the fourth quarter, and they – they stage a comeback, and um, that's uh, that's just part of this league. All right, guys, we only have time for a few more, so let's go to Skylar Callahan and then Joe Perkin. Hey, Matt. Uh, Chicago's defense in the red zone is is really, really good, obviously, and you guys at times have had trouble kind of capping off some drives. What do you do to go into this game with the game plan of trying to make sure you guys convert more, you know, getting the six instead of the three? Yeah, that's – I mean, we're, we're – we're, we're, if you look at our offense, we're top – I'm going to say this. I might be wrong in some areas. We're top 10, top five in a lot of categories, but not in scoring. And it's because we're getting to the red zone and we're kicking field goals instead of touchdowns. It's way too much. And, um, you know, a lot of that comes down to red zone uh, third down. And, you know, we call those four-point plays, you know, the difference between a touchdown and a field goal. And uh, we haven't been efficient enough in that area. And a lot of them have been third and two to three, which, which is even more frustrating. You know? So um, we have to be better. Uh, tonight's our red zone night where we game plan red zone. So, um, you know, I've, we did third down today, you know, ran through third down. So we'll know more specifically in terms of tonight and the, and the red zone. But to me, it's, to me, it's about us. It's about us being able to run the, when we're able to run the football in the red zone, we score. Um, when we're able to, you know, win some one-on-ones, we score. And um, that's what we have to do. We have to find a way to run the football versus a very stout and defense. And we have to execute on third down versus a great red zone defense and a great versus a great third down defense, which put those together and those four point plays become all the more important. Matt, uh, what kind of matchup is Khalil Mack? And uh, I kind of got off to sort of a slow start, but I know he had that big Thursday night game. Yeah, you know, um, I've been coaching against Khalil Mack since the University of Buffalo. He's just a dominant force. Uh, he's, um, and he's one of those guys, some guys like luck into thing. He, he plays really, really hard, plays really well. He's one of those guys when I was in college, I'd have our, I'd have our defensive lineman watch him, see what a great stance look like. I mean, he's just so consistent and, um, plays so hard and plays the run as well as the pass. You know, uh, sometimes you have a guy who's a great pass rusher and, and you say, Hey, let's run at him. Well, this, you know, this isn't a viable option, you know, to, to slow him down. He's not going to slow down. He plays the run as well as the pass. And so you throw in Hicks, you throw in Quinn. I mean, they, they're, they're front, you know, they've invested in their front. And their front is, uh, is really, 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 you know, is really uh, superb. But um, 
just a tremendous pass rusher, you know, and uh, leave him one-on-one, you leave somebody one-on-one with him, um, you know, he's, he's won his, his share over the years and certainly this year. 